glad each one of you are here. Um, if you're visiting with us, we are in a series this uh, month on stewardship. And our goal through this is to take all the things that God gives us in, the li- in our lives and use them for the Lord. We will soon return to a book, a uh, verse-by-verse study of Philippians starting in October. But the reason why we're doing this, and we want to make this clear, is that we want to be a church that seeks to do to take everything he has given us and use it for his glory, whether that is our finances, our homes, our families, whatever it is. And that's why we, we teach the way we do. We want this to be a church thing. All of us saying, okay, Lord, everything we have is yours. So we've decided to do this series and, and it's been a joyful. Ted kicked us off last week setting the, the background to it. A fragrance, we are to be like Christ, a fragrance, aroma pleasing to the Lord. And that's when we love the gospel and we love those truths. This week we've asked Robert uh, Netsley to teach. Uh, Robert's a dear brother. We've been watching Robert here these last five or six years since he's been at the church and we've watched uh, a great growth in Robert's life. It wasn't too many years back. Robert landed in my office one day and he was wrestling with uh, investing. He was an investing manager with another company and, and just struggling with the things that, that investments were going to and his conscience was being pricked of, of is this right? Can I, can I do this? And, and he began to wrestle with maybe going out on his own and saying, what do you think, pastor? And we prayed and prayed and asked the Lord to lead him and Robert did that, and he has a business right across the street here where he helps people invest their money wisely for the glory of the Lord, not to be uh, taken down a road that would be an investment that would be dishonoring to the Lord. And then beyond that, he has helped many, many people with their budgets and, and helping them learn to handle the money that God gives them. So well, the elders thought it very fitting to ask Robert to, to come and teach this morning. A couple more things that we love to see particularly men that are coming up towards leadership and we see God working in their life is we've watched Robert in his home group. Uh, Robert and Elisa have their home as a, a, one of our community groups. We've watched that thing grow. He actually planted one out. Justin's is a, um, Jason's is a plant out of that. They're growing now. And, and so these are things that we look for. Is there fruit in their ministries? And we are very grateful to have uh, the Netsley family. So Robert is when ma- a man that you, when you spend time with him, you know he understands how to handle finances. And he doesn't do it just for, well, this is what you do. He does it to glorify the Lord. So we thought he would be a good man to put in front of you today. So Robert, come preach the word to us and, and help us learn. Well, good morning, everybody. I feel kind of naked up here without a guitar in front of me. But I'll uh, try not to burst into song here. Well, yeah, when, when Pastor Scott asked me several months ago, actually, he said, hey, we're preaching, we're doing this uh, stewardship series in September. I want you to preach on September 14th. I got really excited. I love, uh, I love teaching the Word of God. God's really given me a passion for that. And so I've been, it's kind of like been like Christmas. I've been looking forward to this day out for a long, long time. And it's finally here. Except it's kind of like, um, I was telling Lisa this morning, it's kind of like Christmas, but when you're opening the presents, you know, you're hoping one of them doesn't just blow up in your face when you open it. <laughs> so this weird, strange mix of excitement, and yet it's a very fearful thing. I mean, we're bringing the Word of the Lord. And um, so I appreciate those of you who told me that you know, you're praying for this morning and uh, really appreciate that. So as we look into God's word, would you pray with me and, uh, and ask him to, to speak to us this morning? Lord God, Lord, I, I do just ask for you to, um, to speak today. God, I don't want um, my words to come out. Lord, I want your words to come out. Lord, as we look into your most holy, perfect, inerrant, spotless word, Lord Jesus, would you speak to each one of us? Speak to me, speak to, uh, to my heart, Lord. Uh, and speak to those that are here today, God. I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister loud and clear the truths that you want to, um, to communicate today, Lord Jesus, that we would not come away the same as we came in, Lord God, that we would look into your word and that we'd come away changed, Lord, more like Christ. Give us a passion and a zeal to live for you, to glorify you with everything we've, we have, Lord, everything you've given us. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what does God want us to do with the money and possessions that he has given us? All right, what does he want us to do with the money and possessions that he's given us? That's the question we're going to talk about today. It's a, it's a big, important question, right? And we're going to start with the, uh, the understanding that everything that we have, everything you have, everything I have, has been given to you by God, 
right? We've got to start with that. You've got to understand that your stuff isn't yours. You didn't work hard for it and get it just on your own accord. God gave it to you, right? Maybe you worked for it, but he gave you the ability to work. He gave you that job. He gave you the breath in your lungs to, to get up and work, right? Everything you have has been given to you by God. And it's been given to you by God on purpose, right? Let's think about that. He's given you every single penny in your pocket on purpose, there's a reason he's given you everything you have. And every penny that you don't have is on purpose. Everything you have has been given to you by God on purpose and it's been given for a purpose. Right? He has a purpose for every single thing that he has given to you and entrusted to your care and to my care. And so today we're going to ask, what is that purpose? What does he want us to do with his stuff that he's given to us for a short time while we're here on this earth? What does he want us to do with it? And it's an important question with eternal consequences, uh, eternal implications. And so we're going to answer that question. And to answer that question, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. It's going to be verse 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. As you're turning there, just kind of give you a little context. This is Jesus preaching uh, his Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you've probably heard about the Sermon on the Mount. It's a famous passage of scripture uh, that is just an amazing body of teaching where the Lord is, is breaking open God's truth in so many different ways. And in chapter 6 of Matthew, he turns his attention to the topic of treasure. To the topic of treasure. So let's read Matthew six nineteen through 21. And Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here in these verses, we receive two direct commands from our Lord. Two commands, and we learn two astounding truths that will help us answer the question of what God wants us to do with the money and possessions he's given us. There's a lot more truths in there, believe me, but we're going to have time to talk about two of them today. Uh, so two commands and two truths that will help us answer this question. What does God want me to do with the stuff that he's given me here on earth? So the first command, right? Let's look at the first command right there in the first verse. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Okay, let's break it down a little bit. This word treasures is thesauros. It's a Greek word, and uh, it happens to mean treasures, okay? So this Greek word for treasures means treasures. It's not metaphorical. He's not speaking about some, you know, metaphorical speaking. This is talking about your stuff, right? Your money, your cars, your house, your everything. Whatever you think is a treasure, I mean, your china cabinet, your whatever, right, is your treasures. And specifically, it has a sense of, of storing them up, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Pretty clear, okay, pretty clear. Now, let's ask the question, why? Okay, dig into it, ask the question, why? Why don't we want to store up treasures, or does Jesus not want us to store up treasures for ourselves on earth? So the first reason is they don't last, okay? Nothing here is going to last. Everything's going to be gone. You're going to lose it either by moth or rust or thieves, or you're going to die, and it's going to go to someone else, right? It's going to be gone. It's not going to last. It's a bad investment, right? You're investing in things that are going to go away, guaranteed, going to go to zero, right? Not going to last. And so Jesus isn't about, he's not saying the treasure is bad. He's saying, well, don't invest in things that aren't going to last, right? So don't invest in things that are not going to last. And then more importantly, storing up treasures for ourselves here on earth, it also, go, it also brings judgment, Okay, it also brings judgment. And we're going to look, let's look at James for this right now. Let's go to James chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. Okay, James 5, 1 through 3. These are some pretty strong words uh, from the apostle here. And he says, Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. 
I guess pause right there. <laughs> I do not want to be these guys, okay? I do not want to be these guys he's talking to. Come now, you rich. And every single one of us here is rich. If you had any question about that, you look around the world, the poorest here in America are still rich uh, beyond compare when we look at the world. Uh, the, it, it's just astounding how much we have here, what blessings we have here. So come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your, your riches have rotted. Your garments are moth-eaten. That, that sounds a lot like Matthew, right? What Jesus is saying in Matthew, that where moth and rust destroy. Your gold and silver have corroded, and the corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Now here it is. You have laid up treasure in the last days. It's the exact same phrase that Jesus tells us in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6. The exact phrase. So what, what did these people do that, that was going to warrant such a, a, a horrific judgment? They stored up treasures for themselves in the last days. So obviously this is pretty important to the Lord. So does Jesus want us to be poor? Right? Is, that, is that what he's getting at? Is he asking us to just give everything away and just wants us to be you know, broke, not have anything? I'll say it this way, not necessarily, right? Maybe there are people he calls to sell everything and go to the mission field, for instance, right? Maybe he's calling you to do that, but he doesn't call everybody to do that, right? So not necessarily, maybe, but not necessarily, but here's what he is saying. He's saying the problem is not with treasure, because again, he gives us everything we have. So, and, and we know that God doesn't give bad things to us, right? Only good things come from the Lord. He only gives us good gifts. So it's not that the stuff that we have is bad. He's saying the, the problem's not with treasure, it's with laying up for yourselves this treasure, right? It's laying up for yourselves the treasure. It's the same, same scripture in Matthew 6 and James 5. If we think about that a little bit more, when we lay up treasure for ourselves, it's like we're a stagnant pond, right? God has given us all of this money and uh, just possessions. He's given us our family. He's given us position and responsibilities, everything he's given us. And if we're keeping those things to ourselves, we're just laying up treasures for ourselves. We're making our bank account get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and our investment account bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger. It's like we're the stagnant pond. Everything goes in and nothing comes back out. And I don't know if you've ever been swimming at a stagnant pond or thought about swimming in a stagnant pond, but it's not a great idea, right? It's pretty disgusting. Uh, I mean, it's covered in slime and yuck and, and grossness. And that's what happens when everything comes in and nothing goes out. So instead, God wants us to be this river of blessing, right? He intends for us to receive from him, use what we need, take care of our family, to provide for our family, provide for our future here, but then everything else, give it away. Use it for God's kingdom, right? This river of blessing. He doesn't give you stuff just so you can hang on to it. It's so you can, can be a blessing, right? So you can honor him and give him glory with the things that he's given you. And so if we've laid up treasure for ourselves, by default, that means we're keeping it from other people, right? So here on earth, the more I have, the less you have. If I keep more money for myself, that means the less other people are getting. If you think about that, there's only a limited number of uh, natural resources in this world. There's a, just you know, so much gold and silver and everything else that God has made. We can't create more. And so the more I keep for myself here on this earth, the less everybody else has. And that's just, you can't get away from it, right? And so Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So that's the first command. So we're presented with this question, what are you gonna do, what are you doing with the Lord's money? Right, if you think about that, what, what are you doing with the Lord's money? What am I doing with the Lord's money? Think about the money in your pocket right now. How much money do you have in that pocket? Or how much money do you have in your bank account? What's the purpose? Why did God give you those dollars? Is it for uh, a lottery ticket? <laughs> is it for, uh, to buy lunch for your family today? Is it to give it away to the church? Is it to invest for your retirement, to take care of your future needs for you and your family? Is it to give to missions? Is it to give to the church? What, what is the reason God gave you the money that is right now today in your bank account, in your pocket, in your wallet? Uh, there is a purpose. 
right? And we got to think about that. We got to think about that and realize that this isn't just something that comes in and goes out and, you know, it doesn't really matter. God's keeping track and he has a purpose. He's giving you that dollar for a reason, right? And we want to make sure that we're on track with it. When I get to the, at the end of my life, when I stand before the Lord, I want to make sure that I've done the best I possibly could to hit the target for what he wants for my life, right? I would hate to get there and uh, learn that this was God's purpose for my life and everything he's given me and to discover that I was out here in left field doing something else, completely different. I want to be about the Lord's business. And I know you guys, I know you want to be about the Lord's business too. And so we think about our finances. Why did God give you the things that he gives you? And how can you use them for the Lord? And a good way to, to take account of that, not the only way, but a very good way to, to take account of are we laying up treasures for ourselves on earth, is to take a look at how much you give, right? What are you giving? What's the outflow look like? If we want to make sure we're not a stagnant pond, let's take a look at the, the outflow, Okay, and I'll kind of mention this right now, and you'll hear more about this uh, over the coming weeks. In the seats in front of you, the seat, little seat pouches, you want to look down there, there's these cards. It says covenant giving card. These are for you and your family. Just to take an account, something the church has put together to, to help you and me to take an account of our giving, right? And it's not to turn in, it's not to show other people or, or whatever. It's, it's for you and your family alone. You keep this, don't turn it in. Uh, and say that again, don't turn it in. <laughs> okay, this is not something we need to know. It's between you and the Lord. But it has a list, a line for your monthly income, your average monthly giving. Divide the two. What's the percentage of your income that you're giving, right? And believe me, I know that it's easy to get caught up in uh, just the daily, weekly uh, run of, okay, let's get the kids up and dressed and comb their hair and get them to church. And oh my gosh, did I write the check this, this week? How much did I make this week? You know, what do I... It's easy to lose track, right, of giving, as well as other things in life. And so this will just allow us to take uh, just a few moments, this, maybe this afternoon, and pause and take an account. How are, how are we doing on giving? What's the outflow look like? And maybe it's right exactly where we think it is. Awesome. Maybe you've got a really good handle on that. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's more than what you'd expect. Maybe it's less than what you'd expect. Uh, but look at that. The, the, the nation, national average is 1.3% of income is given to the church. 1.3%. Really low, really, really low. Uh, in fact, the, the percentage of income that the world gives to non-church ministries is higher than, than that percentage. Uh, so for whatever reason, we as a church really need to pay, pay attention to what we're doing with what God has given us and are we giving to the work of the Lord as he intends. And to kind of to further that, I've noticed that there are two things that can cause us to well, to sin with money and to keep us from giving uh, what we should and cause us to hoard wealth. Okay, the two things. The first one is evident, it's, it's greed, right? Greed uh, is the obvious one where we want more so we keep what we've got, right? We want more and more and more and we keep what we got. This is very prevalent. You see it in the world, blatantly displayed uh, in the world. On occasion, it rears its head in the church even, so greed is out there, wanting more, keeping on what you got because you, you, don't, you don't want to give it to anybody else, right? Greed. But there's a second one, and I think this is probably the one that's more prevalent in the church because uh, we know greed is wrong, right? We, that's, we know that, and uh, I, I think at least none of us wear our greed on our sleeve like we see sometimes in, in just secular business and things like that. But in the church, I think the second issue that causes much more... Um, concern is fear. There's greed and there's fear. And here's how fear works itself out. It's, it's the fear that if I give more, I'm not going to have enough left over to take care of me. Right? If I give more, I'm not going to have enough left over to take care of me. Or if I uh, you know, don't have this exorbitant emergency fund that maybe there's not going to be enough left over to take care of me. And ultimately, it comes down to a faith in the Lord, right? Or a lack of faith in the Lord to provide for our needs. Because we know that God is the one who provides, right? God will provide, even if I lost everything. If I'm Job and, you know, fire rains down in my house and just everything is destroyed, God will provide, right? I need to know that and I need to trust in him, not my money, the money that he has given me. I trust in the Lord. 
And this, does this mean that we don't save up anything, right? Does this same mean that we don't save any money and just trust in the Lord and I give everything to the Lord and he's going to provide? Um, not necessarily, again. But no, saving for an emergency, saving for the future is biblical. It's wise. Uh, we have plenty of Proverbs and other scriptures that teach us to, to save wisely for the future. But there's a point there where I have enough, right? Where I've saved enough, where I have enough to take care of my retirement. And anything above that line, that's more than enough. And if I'm keeping more than enough for myself, I've got to really look at that, right? And I've got to analyze, okay, why do I need $10 million to take care of my retirement when maybe I don't even need a fraction of that, right? Why do I need X amount of dollars in my savings account to take care of unforeseen emergencies if, if maybe I really only need you know, so-and-so amount. And there's no hard and fast number, right? It's between you and God. What, what, what's your lifestyle? What's your needs? But there's this heart issue of, is there a fear there? When you look in your heart and you pray and you're just you and the Lord, is there a fear there that is causing you to hang on, right, to, to the money that he has given you, the other th- to the things that he's given you, where it's hard for you to give those to the Lord, right? And maybe it's causing you to keep maybe a little extra for yourself, where maybe that should be going to the work of God. Maybe that's what he has purpose for that money and those possessions, right? So we look at that. Is there greed? Is there fear? And if there is, let's repent of that. Give it to God. Trust him. And he will provide. He will provide. So how much do you give? And do you have more than enough? And what are you going to do with it? All right, so that's the first part of Jesus' message here in Matthew 6 is do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And then he goes on to the second command. Okay, the second command, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So here's an exact opposite of the the first command we saw. So he starts out telling us, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but do lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, so we got to pause. Didn't we just say that it's wrong to lay up treasures for ourselves? Right? Didn't we just cover that and look into that? Isn't it wrong to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? So is, is Jesus uh, contradicting himself here? Is this one of those, uh, did he not know what he's saying? I don't think so, right? Uh, whenever I find myself wondering, uh, is, is he sure what he's, about what he's saying there? It's usually me who's understanding wrong and Jesus who is right, right? Uh, so I need to look at that and, and, and check my understanding. So is he contradicting himself? No, right? He's not contradicting himself. So why does Jesus tell us it's okay to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, but not here on earth? Okay, a couple of reasons. One, because heavenly treasure is eternal, right? Where earthly treasure is not going to last, and we spend all of our time and our energy and our passion building up stuff here only for it to go away, that doesn't really make much sense, right? So instead, Jesus says, spend your time, passion, and energy building up treasure that will always last, right? Where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break and steal. It's eternal treasure, right? In heaven, it is a good investment, right, is what he's saying. It's, it's going to last. And to, to flesh this out, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. While you're turning there, because, you know, when Jesus tells us to save up treasure for himself, I don't know about you, part of me, and I don't know what this is, but it's, part of me wants to say, well, is it okay to want treasure? I mean, in heaven, is it okay for me to be motivated by that? Uh, Well, according to Jesus, yes, okay? He wants us to be motivated by eternal reward, right? He's a good father. He gives good gifts to his good children who follow him, and he wants to reward us in heaven, right? And so it's okay to be motivated by the reward uh, that comes from the Lord. And we look in 1 Timothy 6, and we see more of this. In verse 17, it says, As for the rich in this present age, same people that James was talking to in, in his rebuke, he says, Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who rit- richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, 
to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So here again, we see we're encouraged, we're exhorted to actually do good, to be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future. Right? Uh, we also see this in Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. This is the great hall of faith chapter and it's talking about Moses here in verse 24 of chapter 11. And he says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. So we see even Moses here, as he was following God and stepping out in faith, not laying up treasures on, on earth, right? He was entitled to, to all the, the treasures of Pharaoh's daughter um, and, and everything that came with that. But he, he chose to follow the Lord, the reproach of Christ as greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to the reward. He knew there was a reward waiting for him, right? And so instead of working for what would last here for a little while, he's looking towards what will always last, right? And so we have this idea that Jesus is telling us that we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do, do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And to be clear, I want to really make clear that this reward is not salvation, right? The reward in heaven is not our salvation. There's no amount of money you could give. There's no amount of good works that we can do that would ever even come close to giving us our salvation, to earning our salvation. There's nothing, that, I mean, God doesn't need your money, right? <laughs> There's nothing you could give to him. You say, oh, wow, thanks. That's you know, the admission price to heaven that is far greater than anything you could ever hope to pay. And that's why we look to Christ and his price that he paid on the cross. His blood was the only payment for our sin that will ever allow us to cross the gates into heaven. And so we look in faith to Christ for our salvation. But if you are a child of God and you've put your faith in Christ, there are rewards, both great and small, for the saved when we get there, right? God is good. He is our good father. He says he gives good gifts to us, Lord, as we follow after him and that there are treasures waiting for us in heaven that we should labor after as we live for him here on earth. So this question here, as we, as we look at the second command, is what is your treasure going to look like? I just kind of consider that. What's your treasure going to look like? When you get to heaven, what's, what's waiting there? Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for each one of us. What does your place look like? Right? Is it kind of empty and a, a couple pieces of Ikea furniture in there? Or is it a little more <laughs> richly imbued, you know, because of the life you lived here for Christ in devotion to him? Uh, are, will you be welcomed in with a, uh, just a well-done, good and faithful servant? Enter the joy of your master, right? What's in your kingdom account? I heard a pastor put it that way. What's in your kingdom account? Have you made a deposit lately, right? What is waiting for us when we get to heaven? Uh, it can be fun to think about that, and uh, it can also be sobering to think about that, possibly. So what, what is your treasure like? in heaven. And this leads us to this discovery of a remarkable truth. And this truth is that we have a limited time opportunity to trade in earthly wealth for eternal treasure. We have a limited time opportunity to trade in eternal wealth, I mean worldly wealth, earthly wealth, for eternal treasure. All right, what do I mean by that? Let's look at Matthew 6 here uh, and just go a little earlier in the chapter to verses 3 through 4. Verses 3 through 4. This is part of the same train of thought that Jesus is teaching through. And it's the, the, the string through all this passage is, is reward. He keeps coming back to this idea of reward. And uh, just to give you a little example, chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. He says, But when you give to the needy, 
Do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we, we see this example of Jesus saying, look, you can give to the needy here in secret. Don't do it like the hypocrites where they you know, blow trumpets and you know, show everybody how great they are because of the money they're giving to the poor. But give to the poor so your Father who in heaven can see and reward you. So you have this idea that you can give money away now that you know you're going to lose to gain reward in heaven that you never will lose, right? And it's a limited time. You're, I don't know how much longer I've got on this earth. You don't know much, how much longer you've got on this earth, right? It's a limited time opportunity. In Matthew 19, to drive this point home a little bit farther, Matthew 19, let's go there, verse 21. This is where he's talking to the rich young ruler, uh, probably a, a story that many of us are familiar with. Matthew 19, 21. And what does he tell uh, this young man who comes to him and asks him, Jesus, what, what should I do? Right, to be perfect. And Jesus says, in verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So he tells this young man, go sell what you've got and, you will, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. You've got an opportunity right now to trade what you've got here today that you're gonna lose to receive what you never will lose. Right? To use earthly wealth to secure eternal treasure and reward. We see that also in the first Timothy verse we just read. You're supposed to do, to do good, to store up treasure for yourselves as a good foundation for the future, right? To be generous and ready to share. It's all through scriptures. This idea of using what God has given you now, both your finances and your talents and your time and how you steward your family and everything else to make eternal impact. Right for something that will never fade. And uh, there's a story that uh, is told, Randy Alcorn, I, I don't know if he thought of the story himself, I think he may have, but he tells it in this book, um, The Treasure Principle. We have some uh, in the foyer out there. Great little book uh, called The Treasure Principle. It's also in his larger book, if you want a little bit meatier read. Uh, it's got Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Uh, it's about 20 times bigger than this book, though. So if you want to read that. But there's a story in there he tells of... Uh, the Civil Wars. Did anybody go to the Civil War days recently? I know we just had them down in Belotto Park, a few of us, yeah. So, uh, good time from what I hear. And uh, so imagine yourself alive during the, in the South, during the end of the Civil War, right? Imagine yourself alive at the end of the Civil War in the South. And you've got it by, from very good information, some insider information, that the war is going to end very soon. Without a doubt, the war is going to end very soon. And you know that the North is going to win. Okay? No doubt about it. War is coming to an end. North is going to win. Here you are in the South. And you start looking around. And something, uh, something strikes you. You know, all my money is invested in Confederate currency. Every single dime I have is rebel money. And it starts dawning on you, you know, when this war is over, this money I've got, it's probably not going to be worth too much. It's probably not going to be worth anything, actually. The only thing that's going to be worth anything is the, the currency of the North, right? Who is going to win this war soon. So you start thinking, you say, because you're a smart person, and uh, you say, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down to the bank, and I'm going to exchange my Confederate rebel money for the money of the Union, the North's money. Now, I've got to keep some Confederate currency because the war's not over yet. I've got to still buy stuff and take care of my family until the war's over. I need a little bit of money to get me by. But everything above that mark, I'm going to trade in for Union money. And then when the war's over, I'm going to be taken care of. Now, your friends and your family and your neighbors, they're going to think you're crazy. They might throw you out. They might get a little upset with you. But you know that it's a wise decision don't you? And you might plead with them to do the same thing you're doing. And some of them might listen, some of them might not. But that's what you're going to do because you know that the war is coming to an end and the North is going to win. Now, does that sound like a good plan? Yes. Okay. Well, my friends, the war is coming to an end, right? We're here in Confederate territory 
and our bank accounts are full of rebel money right now today and it's coming to an end soon and we know the good guys win right and the money you've got today that confederate currency is not going to be worth the paper is printed on in heaven in the new earth the new heavens the new jerusalem it's not going to be worth anything and you've got a limited time opportunity while the war is still going on to trade in your confederate rebel money for eternal heavenly wealth to lay up for yourself a firm foundation for the future, right? Treasures in heaven. And that's what Jesus is encouraging us, exhorting us, commanding us to do, is to use what you've got now that is not going to last to secure that which you cannot lose. That is what he's commanding us. That's what he's imploring us. Let's look at 2 Peter, if you want an example of this. I'm not just making this stuff up. 2 Peter chapter 3 Verse 10 through 13 says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Everything we have is going to burn. Think about that. Every penny, every blade of grass in your front lawn, every car in your driveway, that RV, that boat, those clothes in your closet, those guns and ammo, whatever you've got is going to burn and be gone, right? It is not going to last. Don't put your hope and your energies and your resources into things that are not going to last is what Jesus tells us. Look to the future. Invest for the long term, right? That's what Jesus tells us to do. Jim Elliott, the, uh, the now famous missionary who was martyred sharing Christ with unreached tribes in South America said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gains what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation said, I have held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. Maybe you can relate. But whatever I have placed in God's hands that I still possess. So what have you placed in God's hands? What are you still clinging to with your hands, just waiting for it to be lost? Because it will be lost. Don't wait. Use what you need to get by until the war is over. Everything else, put it into the Lord's hands. Give it to him and you will never lose it. He guarantees you. The second truth is our heart follows our treasure. Our heart follows our treasure. Now, I used to think this was kind of backwards. I used to think that what we care about, that's where we're going to put our money, right? That where our treasure follows our heart. But as I looked at this, I realized, hey, Jesus really means what he says yet again, that our heart follows our treasure, and the things we invest in, we start caring about. If you've got a million dollars invested in uh, Tesla, you know those cool you know, electric cars, I guarantee you, every Tesla on the road, you're going to notice. You're going to read every news release about their new uh, gigafactory that they're planning on building. You are going to be up on all the technology of the, the latest lithium-ion batteries. Uh, you're going to probably know what Elon Musk had for lunch yesterday, which... You probably don't even know who he is unless you know what a Tesla is. But if you don't have money invested in Tesla, I guarantee you none of that even matters to you. You couldn't care less, right? So if your money is invested in heaven, guess what you're going to care about? God's kingdom. And that's what Jesus is after. He's after your heart, not your stuff. He doesn't want you to give your money to the church so the church can get wealthy. He wants you to give your money to God so that your heart will be drawn to him. Because he knows if your money and your stuff is invested in the things of this world, your heart will be drawn away from God. 
and it'll be drawn to the things of this world and your focus will be nearsighted, spiritually nearsighted, your prayer life will be weak, your, your passion for the lost will be non-existent, your, your, the kingdom of God will be an afterthought, distant afterthought in your life. But if you put your money where your heart, your money where your mouth is and put it into to heaven, right? And you give those things to the Lord that he intends you to give to the Lord. And that's where your treasure is. He knows that's where your passion will be. You will have a passion for the lost. You will have a passion to share the gospel. You're, you will be vigilant in prayer, vigorous spiritual life. You will have joy of the Lord as you live for him in devotion. And that's what he wants for you. He wants joy in your life as you live for him, right? And then joy forever as you're welcomed into eternal blessing for a life lived in devotion by faith in Christ. It's a gift from God. So to wrap it up, you've got a limited time opportunity to trade in earthly stuff that's going to burn, that's not going to last, that you're going to lose to receive eternal treasure. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Whatever you place in the Lord's hands, you will not lose. It's going to be yours. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on, hev- on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. To end it, uh, there's this story um, of John D. Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men who's ever lived in our country. And when he died, uh, somebody asked his manager of his estate, hey, say, so how much did John D. Uh, leave behind? And this manager uh, wisely replied, all of it. Every single penny. You're going to leave behind every single penny. The question is, what have you sent ahead? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you, you care about our eternity. First, you care about our salvation, Lord, and you've paid the price by your blood on the cross to secure a place for us in heaven if we will put our faith in you, Lord Jesus. And more than that, Lord, as we live for you, you don't have to, but you've chosen to because you're a good father. That as we live for you, God, you reward us and you give us an opportunity to use the things that you've given us to to steward for a short time to secure eternal treasures for our enjoyment, for your glory in heaven. God, so I pray that if there's things that we're holding on to that we need to give up, that we need to release, that we need to pry our fingers off of, God, I pray that by your spirit that you would give us the faith to do that. Lord, may greed and fear have no place in our life, but may we look to you with generosity because the generosity you have given us and your son, may we be generous then to those around us, to the work that you're accomplishing here on earth. May we give, Lord, and experience the joy of giving to your work that we may experience the joy that waits us forever, Lord God, with you in heaven as we enjoy those rewards, Lord. God, speak to us. Use this word in our life. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Robert. Um, we appreciate your wisdom on these things. Robert mentioned here um, in front of you, we like each and every one for your family. Go ahead and reach forward and grab that card if you haven't had it already. Uh, Robert has laid the foundation for this already, that this card is not to be turned in. It is for your family. In fact, as I sat there um, listening to Robert and, and then... Uh, on Tuesday mornings, um, Jessica begins to put the funds together and they all calculate it and, they're, and him, uh, her and Michael work on it. Often there's lots of little coins that are in there. And where are those coming from? Because parents are teaching their kids to give. So this is a great tool just to even sit down with your children and say, um, you know, you mowed a lawn and you received some funds for it. What are you going to give to the Lord? So this is for you. It's not, it's not to, to turn back in. We don't want these. We want you to sit down as a family, as a husband and wife, as a single person, and sit down and be honest. Say, Lord, I'm gonna, here's what I, I make, here's what I give, and here's the percentage that I give to the Lord. 
And it's, it's a reality check. It's, it's gonna be a little difficult for some. Others, um, you may say, wow, Lord, thank you. We, we enjoy giving this to you. But it's a tool for you um, to be able to give on there. Uh, another thing along that line is online giving has become uh, a, a little more, uh, actually electronic giving as we're seeing more and more happening within our church. And some of you do this already. Um, and we have a form in the back to help you do this. Uh, every day in the mail at church, um, checks come in because you have set that up in your giving. So when you do your bill pay with your bank, the first thing on the top, if you're like us, the first thing in the top, it goes to the Lord. And so we encourage you to look into that. If you need help, we have people that will help you do that uh, just to be able to give that way. It is very worshipful to give that way. It is very worshipful to push that button and say, Lord, we give to you and we send this out for your glory. These are conveniences to help us give. Now, as you look at this card again, I want you to pick it up and look at it with me just for a minute. There's a thing called Generation Kingdom Funding on, uh, Fund on there. And we want to just introduce this to you today and what we're going to, in more time, explain what this is about. But um, you can go ahead and read this on your, on your own. But what we're beginning to set up now is a goal to pay off our building. We want to pay off the debt on this building and some other capital things that need to be, need to be done. We are limping along with a 30-year-old air conditioning of a parking lot that's starting to come apart. There's a few things that we want to put together, um, and we're going to ask some men in our congregation to help us with that, that are outside our elders that will come in and give us some counsel on, on that. But we're working on that as we speak. But we want to, we've named it the Generation Kingdom Fund, and the reason we chose that is we want this ministry to be here for many generations to come. And we wanna be good stewards of God's, God's money that he gives us, and so uh, not only do we wanna encourage people to look at their monthly giving, what they give, what percentage of what they, God gives them do they give back to his church, but we also want you to begin to think about would you join with us in paying off debt? Getting a ministry that's free from debt so that we can increase missionary giving, increase our ministries, begin to fund things that we've had to take away um, through the years uh, from children's ministries to ministries around the globe to music to all the things that we bring glory to God in. And so this is a very important thing. So we're, we're really working at this. And some of you men, um, uh, uh, you have, God's really blessed you with how, how you think financially. And we're gonna come and ask you if you'll come down and sit down and have a discussion with us on this, um, of what should be in this kingdom, Generation Kingdom Fund, and have you participate with us. So these are things that are for you. If you notice on the back, on the back there is some help uh, to how to give. You certainly can still give cash and, and checks and money orders and all those things. And, uh, but the online payment is, is something that's really beginning to be more and more popular with people because that's how we pay our bills. And, and we give right off the top of that, and so these forms are in the back. Last thing, you're starting to notice that little boxes are going up. Um, our goal is to uh, soon get rid of passing the bags that go back and forth. Because many of you actually give online, <laughs> and your gift has already come to the church. And we want gift giving to continue to be a very worshipful thing between you and God, whether that's when you're doing your bills or, or when you walk in and you put that in a box back there, teaching your children to come and, and give in there. And so we are eventually gonna remove the offering bag. We'll use it for special things, for deacon funds, uh, uh, benevolence funds. We'll use it for special gifts at times, but we're gonna move to these boxes in the back. And so when you come in, you'll be able to give your offering to the Lord there, or you'll give online, uh, you'll give from your, your bill pay out of your banking account. Well, we're moving that way, and, and just that's the way the uh, life of giving is going. So um, those things are starting to happen. You'll see those uh, going up in the next few weeks. So um, here's what we ask you to do. Take this card home. Don't leave it in front of you. We'll refill these. Um, we know there's a lot of people gone today. We, we have a lot of people out, out doing other things today. So in the next couple of weeks, we'll remind people, take this card home. Do we just ask you, take it home. And we ask you at least to pray about sitting down as a family and talking about that. Don't turn it into us. Do it between you and the Lord. Is that understood? Is that clear? Great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to be reminded, Lord, where our treasure is, that's where we'll find our heart. Whatever that treasure has become, Lord, that could be you, Lord Jesus, that could be your glory, your person, the one who loved us and came to earth to die for us. That is where our treasure is, Lord. We hope that's where we find it, Lord. 
But Father, we have a heart that's full of idols at times. And there's desires that come along and they come out of this heart of ours, Lord. And Jesus, you said in Mark 7 that out of the heart comes all kinds of issues. So Lord, I pray as we've been challenged this morning that we would trace what treasure is in our heart. Is it the Lord Jesus? Do we give, Lord, to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ here? Lord, the Bible says you died for the church. You're the head of the church. You're the chief shepherd. And so, Lord, do we give to you, Lord? And we, Father, we want to examine all of us, Lord, leadership, and every one of us, Lord, examine. Do we give to you, Lord? And, Father, we ask that we would be honest about those things, and you would help us with that, Lord. Father, those of us that children, um, young or older children, that we would encourage them. In fact, we would be the example and lead them to learn to start to give, Lord. Father, Robert said today that the world outgives the church now. They give to United Ways and all the charity organizations, and they give more of their percentage of income than the church gives to Jesus. And Lord, that, that statement hurt, Lord. We, we have failed, Lord. Our treasure has not been you, Lord, as a, a universal church. So I pray, Father, that that statement would not be true of Grace Bible Church. That we'd be men and women, boys and girls, who give to Jesus just a portion back to what he's given to us, Lord. And Father, may we trust you. Lord, fear is a real problem with us, Lord. We are fearful at times. We, we get fearful, Lord, whether we can make ends meet. And so, Lord, cause us to trust you. Help us to be men and women, boys and girls of faith, that our Lord loves us, and he didn't save us to drown us, that we would trust you, Lord. So, Father, we give this to you. May you burden our hearts today, Lord. May we be faithful as families to examine this, Lord, and be honest before you, Lord. We know you'll bless that, Lord. We know you'll be glorified. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 